Hello and welcome to the RPG Academy podcast. I am Michael and we are here tonight with a trial of Descent into Midnight, a new Powered by the Apocalypse game. Uh, this one created by good friends of the show, uh, including our GM tonight, uh, Richard Kurtz Landry, uh, Taylor Labresh, and Rich Howard. So, Richard, you're going to be leading us through this game. Uh, the players, we've got our old crew back together with Scott and Caleb. So, Scott, say hello to everyone. Howdy, all you kids out there in Radio Land. Oh, yeah, there's the. There it is. There it is. <laughs> all right. And then, Caleb, say hello to everyone. I'm still on sabbatical. I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> this was like mandatory uh, teacher in-service days. Like you had to be here regardless. All right. So Richard, start off by telling us a little bit about what Descent into Midnight is and what we should expect from the game tonight. So Descent into Midnight is a weird powered by the apocalypse game where you take on the role of psionic alien sea creatures on an aquatic world in a universe where people have never existed. So you really get to sort of lean into that alienness. Um, you are a team of guardians of a city, uh, an aquatic city that's uh, an advanced biotech and um, psionic uh, civilization where you're not going to see metal submarines or anything like that. It's all, you know, bioengineered, uh, you know, clams or, or computers and, and all that great stuff. And the premise of the game is that you are defending the city against an existential threat, a corruption that we're going to define at the table. So, Today, what we're going to be doing is we are going to create characters together. We're going to figure out how they're linked up and how they relate to each other. These characters have a special psionic bond with each other. They are extraordinarily close. Um, similar to games like Headspace, um, you don't have to worry about meta knowledge because all these characters have the ability to share with each other their thoughts and feelings and experiences in a profound way. So in addition to uh, building the corruption and figuring out what that is at the table, we are going to create the setting together as well. So we're going to create the aquatic civilization that you're defending and figure out how you fit into it. So the meat of the play session is actually bookended by a guided visualization. These characters, uh, as I said before, are powerfully psionically bonded together. And what they can do is they can project themselves into this mental space that they share with each other. So what we do as players is we take a moment and we talk about what that space looks like because it's a representation of the mental and emotional state of the characters. So we go in, we start with that, we have our adventures, we see what happens. And then at the end of the session, we revisit that to see how the characters have changed and where they're at after these experiences. So let's get started. So the first thing we want to do is, uh, is kind of create our characters and it's being empowered by the apocalypse style game. There are playbooks. Um, how many different playbooks are there currently, Richard? So there are currently 10 playbooks. Uh, we've been in dev for a while. We started with, I believe, four and that number has grown little by little. Uh, there are five stats and each of the stats has two playbooks that are sort of associated with each of them. Okay, so I'll, I'll kind of start with introducing my character. I have some, but not all of it decided. And you can kind of tell me when we want to switch off to someone else. Sure. Uh, so I chose the playbook for the redeemed. 
and sort of the box text or flavor text, it says, uh, you were created to excel at one thing, conflict, whether through physical training, bioengineering, or psychic reprogramming. You are, uh, you are the center of the storm when challenges arise. Through your original purpose, though your original purpose may have been to inflict terrible consequences on your enemies, the choice is now yours. Are you a weapon of war, a symbol of peace, or something else entirely? Uh, so my character is essentially a swarm of like miniature, not quite microscopic, but very tiny uh, jellyfish. Ooh. Kind of think, almost think like uh, Metroids from the original Metroid. I have like a little bubbly thing in the middle of the <laughs> uh, But I'm a collective, so we all share one mind. Uh, we're translucent, but we can basically create colors within us. Uh, so in my mind, it's like in Finding Nemo, where the swarm of the little fish were like making an arrow. Mm -hmm. and it, that's what my character does. I'm like a big cloud of these little micro, near microscopic um, jellyfish, and I can change my colors so I can almost look like a like a true nebulous space cloud just floating through the water. But then I can change and move myself together and form shapes and that kind of thing. Uh, I don't have a great name. I came up with Cole, which is short for collective, but I'm not married to it. If anyone has a better idea, I will gladly take those under advisement. Uh, and some of the choices I made, my look is a colony of creatures, which makes sense. Uh, my gifts are malleable body and perfect camouflage because I can become translucent. My attitude is curious and I didn't pick a home because I don't know what all those options are. All right. Uh, let's see. So yeah, so the options for home, we've got spines and spires, the bone yard, calm currents or simple beginnings. So, um, some of the options for home can be something that's very sort of literal or physical, like, uh, you know, an abyssal trench or something like that. Um, but really it's just to kind of get you thinking about what's the flavor of the place that you're from. Um, and we don't have to pick now. We can uh, get into that a little later. Um, let's talk uh, briefly about the moves that you have. So each playbook, um, you will have sort of a core move and then a few additional moves that you get to pick. All right. So under my playbook mo moves, um, I have Heart of Violence, and then I can choose two additional. Uh, so obviously I have Heart of Violence, which is a conflict, uh, verbal, physical, or psychic uh, within that, I have two. I have a choice between either Stormfront, uh, which is when I appeal to my allies to help restrain, or Eye of the Storm, where I remain calm during a conflict with a powerful opponent. I chose Eye of the Storm. Uh, and then for my two optional, I chose whatever it takes and Sense Weakness. So I think it might work better to explain these as they come up rather than, because I think it's going to be just too much if we try to go through all of them. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, so we have uh, Cole, uh, the pronouns are we, they? Uh, yes. Okay, cool. Or Cole. Yeah, or it's Cole, yeah. <laughs> we are, we are awesome. on Cole. Resistance is futile. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Uh, all right, uh, Scott, do we want to move on to the, you said the touchstone, right? Correct. Excellent. So I am playing the uh, the touchstone the Touchstone playbook is um, a character who's, who takes wonderment in the, the grotesque, the obscene, the different, the strange, the bizarre, the, uh, the mutated, and the corrupt. They, uh, corruption can never extinguish the wonder of life as long as that life maintains hope. So um, the ally that reminds those around them that your, their unique gifts create a better world. They're the stable friend providing shelter against the crushing tide of despair. 
I basically take on the role of, of impressionable young Timmy O'Toole, who has boundless enthusiasm <laughs> and support for their uh, maybe more hardened, darkened, Batman-like allies. <laughs> Amazing. I feel that means I have to play like this. <laughs> Let's go swimming. <laughs> water wings, please. It's very dangerous in the deep current. So, uh, Timmy O'Toole would have been a pretty obvious name, but instead I chose Bisk. Uh, Bisk's pronouns are he, him. Uh, Bisk's look is webbed and whimsical. Uh, I was assuming Bisk was uh, a rather uh, large, uh, uh, more large than could be possible in our current universe, single-celled organism, where the cell walls are thin and stretch, and so you get kind of a spaghetti-like, web-like effect that that kind of oozes and gelatinizes, and you have have endless, countless cilia that uh, spider uh, Bisk along. Amazing. Okay. Uh, Bisk's gifts are memory manipulation, entanglement, whatever that might mean, uh, and I'm sure to try to abuse any interpretation I can, and also power negation. That's the idea. <laughs> also will be goodly abused, I hope. Uh, attitude is, uh, we're going to go for, I think, uh, innocent was tempting, but uh, we're going to go for patient, I think. All right. And then uh, finally, a uh, home is a cluster of roots, because uh, as long as we're going to be webbed and whimsical, we might as well live somewhere that that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, let's see. And then for the moves, which ones did you pick? Uh, well, uh, every touchstone comes with a light and a darkness. And then uh, after that, I uh, wanted to pick violence is not the answer, and it couldn't be me. Well, yeah, I was really tempted to dance with me, but that uh, no, that's fine. All right. Uh, and then Caleb, let's hear about uh, the specialist. All righty. So I am playing the specialist. The book tells me that I am an expert at getting my allies into and out of dangerous or questionable situations with skill and grace whether rescuing the victims of a natural disaster, negotiating a lethal hydrothermal vent field, breaching the biotech security of an ancient civilization, or extracting psychic information from a coral hive mind, which I believe in the context of this group means I'm going to be the grown-up in charge of everything. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, isn't that just sort of the default with this group, whether or not you're playing this game? Yeah. I think we fell into our role. You may seem it chapter two. Like when we go back to dairy, we just become who we were when we were kids. We're just back in the roles we've been in since we started this. Mm. All righty. So my look is fluid and fastidious. So uh, I have named my character Hogan. Uh, I am using. Are we your heroes? Him. That was faster than I expected. Thank you. Uh, Hogan is a quadrupedal, very feline creature. The size of a big tiger, Mm -hmm. but kind of a a dark blue with a very, very dark blue. So dark, it's almost black stripes. Mm -hmm. Uh, His paws are really, really big Mm -hmm. and webbed. Amazing. And and they are tipped with claws. 
Um, instead of a mane, he actually has fins and gills nice. around around his head, and he has a super long tail, uh, almost as big as he is long. Okay. For and it's kind of it splits at the end into kind of two little smaller, not quite prehensile, but kind of tentacles. Okay. And they are the whole thing is lined with fins and flippers. Amazing. All right. The gifts I am choosing, I'm going to choose telekinesis. Okay. And I'm debating between multi-sense and phasing. I think I'm going to go with multi-sense. All right. That is a popular one for the specialist. Oh. Well, now I don't want to choose it. <laughs> Hipster. But I will, because I said it and I commit. <laughs> Attitude with this group, I think I'm going to go with Haggard. <laughs> feels right. <laughs> Haven't started playing, but it feels right. And for home, I'm going to pick too many teeth. Excellent. And I feel like that is the skeletal remains of... Big giant chompy things. All right. Plural. Things. Southern do, do, plural. Do you live with Cole and Cole lives in the boneyard? And so you live in like the jaw mm. parts and that's possible. I was kind of thinking do the whole like elephant thing. graveyard. Oh but giant sea elephants. Huge sure. With teeth. Okay. We will we will explore that. Um <laughs> I'm sure nothing bad will come from that. Um, all right. Oh, and my moves. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we got to get those moves in all right. there. So uh, the default move for a specialist is get the job done. And I am picking as my two extras. Uh, I'm going to pick safety net. Okay. And hack the world. Excellent. Uh, okay, so that is the um, sort of the first part of character creation. The second part is going to be uh, establishing links between the characters. So each of the playbooks has a section of links where they are prompts that are either questions or fill in the blanks um, for how the characters relate to each other. So what we'll do is we will go around the table, the virtual table, uh, twice, and uh, we will suggest one of the other players that we can fill in or answer a question about, and then we'll talk through those together. And as always, we wanna make sure that everybody's on board for everything. So uh, we will uh, make sure that we're talking through that as well while we're discussing it. So, uh, Michael, if you wanna take a look at the links and if there is one that jumps out let's get started there and we'll aim to have one going to everybody else Alrighty. um i like uh on my sheets the third one my prize possession was given to you by now is it okay for this to all be the other characters or will we also create npcs uh, we can create npcs in general i like to keep them um with the pcs themselves just okay. to kind of like build that up and, and that's what, what i wanted to do i want um, i want that to be from bisque again bisque is the you know the heart of the quote-unquote team he's always enthusiastic so i can see bisque finding something that's like oh my god cole would love this 
so he gave me a thing uh, that I cherish. I don't know what it is yet, uh, but it signals to me friendship. Because again, I'm a redeemed. I was created to destroy things. Uh, mm-hmm. And so to now have friends and friends who think of me when we're not even together, like sometimes that just hits me like a brick, like, oh my gosh, like I'm part of a community when I was made for this other thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Scott, what do you think? What uh, what treasured possession would Bisk have have found or created uh, to give to Call? Now, based on my structure, it's probably not something I have with me or carry. It would have to be in my home, a thing that I, you know. So remind me of your structure again. I'm a whole bunch of very tiny, nearly microscopic jellyfish. Right. So uh, I think. Uh, the, the one thing that, that a whole bunch of very tiny jellyfish uh, need, but would never get for themselves, is a bicycle. And we haven't really discussed modes of transit or reasoned out how you would construct an underwater bicycle. And uh, clearly, uh, however it works, it's not exactly the best way for them to travel, right? But it, yeah. is, it is a community okay. aspect, apparently, that I'm just going to establish before we get into the community, that uh, the, the community has uh, the, these sorts of bicycles. Think of them like... Think of them okay. like cruiser bikes. Like, like it's it's a specific style and it's inefficient and it only works in our community for reasons like it's really flat hmm. or something. And uh, it is not the best way for uh, for call to get around, but it is a, a unique object for for this community. And uh, because of that gift, because it's it's kind of inefficient and it kind of belongs and it's kind of an affectation to use, call does occasionally. <laughs> Exactly, but 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 even even when Call does not ride their ridiculous uh, bicycle equivalent for underwater, uh, they they have it uh, up in the house, not like in the garage, but but up on this pile of bones. What was your house again? Uh, we I didn't choose yet. Ooh yeah, okay. So I I I think I know what this is. So it's uh, it's a genetically engineered jellyfish that is basically a hamster ball. <laughs> And so you can go into different areas where the water temperature isn't quite right or whatever. And it like, you know, it, it's it's sort of like a, an old clunky um, diving suit kind of equivalent where it's like you have to have it hooked up to something to like keep the right amount of, you know, oxygen in the water and all this sort of stuff. Or maybe maybe it's not tethered to something, but it's got like. They're, they're, yeah, so it's like it's a it's a hamster ball essentially, a living mm-hmm. hamster ball that you can like get into and go around. So I like to think that I actually that I wear this all the time because I'm a cloud, so it kind of gives a, a thing for people to to interact with. So I basically am <laughs> always in it, but then I come out of there like if I need to, you know, like in combat mm-hmm. or something happens. So I'm always just sort of floating around as this jellyfish mask. Maybe maybe it, some it's not members big of- enough. Yeah, it's not big enough for all of you, though. <laughs> well, and, and some members of you are always doing something, right? Like, there's got to be some members who are eliminating waste, and some members who are gathering ambient nutrients, and some members who are, like, lagging behind, right? It's, it's like that school, and you've mm-hmm. got a few fish. And so there's always kind of a few coming in and out, right? Got it. A little churn. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> okay, so it's a a jellyfish hamster ball. That's too small. <laughs> That's too small. <laughs> too small. And so that that implies that Amazing. our community has a place where we uh, go in these hamster balls. Yeah. Well. So we'll we'll have to figure that out. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah, Scott, let's uh let's look at uh your links. So is there one that jumps out at you? Hmm. Uh I think uh Hogan is from a solitary culture. And uh yes. I've seen okay. something in Hogan's behavior that concerns me. And that uh thing I've seen is hoarding. Ooh. Hogan's place is just a mess. It's just, it's, it's like <laughs> piles of accumulated teeth. Yeah, it's just like like wall to ceiling. You, you kind of have to, you, you have to be an amorphous solid to get in or out. It's, uh, it's, it's a real concern. That hurts. That hurts, Scott. Well, I mean, but this is an offer. Uh, if, if you don't think this is fitting or going to be a useful lever for the game, I can come up with something else. Or we can. No, I love it. I love it. Okay. Uh, I think that my home is so packed mm-hmm. with very important and crucial finds and discoveries. Ooh. I'm actually always crashing at other people's houses. <laughs> so I am eternally asking for uh, a, a couch, so to speak, to crash on. And always bumming a ride mm-hmm. in the, in the jellyfish hamster ball bicycle because <laughs> i can't get to mine it's in the back behind the stack of well there's, kelp there, there, there's some papers back, right you can kind of stand on it and <laughs> oh yeah, yeah 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 or or you just you can like you stand on top of it and you just sort of like walk you the walk opposite direction backward. as it goes backwards behind you yeah <laughs> Nope, I I am completely on board with this. I love it. Amazing. Okay. Um, And we were saying that your home is too many teeth. So now you were saying that it's packed with all sorts of like important things. Where did you find Um, all these teeth? Don't worry about it. (laughs) I found them. They're important. Stop asking. So, So are the teeth like your collection? That, that that's the thing is it's important like archaeological research but it's just the teeth yes yes it is okay that is 100 percent accurate <laughs> every tooth that's ever taken a bite out of you or oh, oh. you're carbon dating them you're silicon dating them i i i definitely gather teeth from big beasties mm-hmm. so that i can try to research more about them to protect the people around me Mm -hmm. Uh, but then i kind of fell into a well if i have this one i better get that one Mm -hmm. too just a completionist i don't even want them anymore at this (laughs) point i i recognize that i do not need them and my research has gone beyond that but i've got so many of them it's like those i'm just it's like a batman collective glass from taco bell yeah 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 or, you know, it's the, well, I was getting these precious moments figures ironically at first, but, um... <laughs> now I just love them all <laughs> so much. Yes. And, and, and now the whole community knows, now that you're no longer solitary, and so uh-huh. every annual festival, uh, what do we all get you is more teeth. Oh, I more heard you teeth, had some yes. room for teeth. I don't want to be a jerk at the holiday You're festival. You're so tough no, yeah. to buy for, you know? It's really, you know, teeth. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the... Yep. That's the thing. I mean, really, just give me some totes. 
Oh man! Just use some totes and put them in and organize it. But no, just more and more. So I just gotta tetris them up in the corner. Amazing. All right. So Caleb, uh, which link are you gonna go with for Hogan? All right. So I'm gonna say that Cole and I spend a significant time together discussing the nature of community. Oh, interesting. Okay. This is a very unique subject to me because I was very solitary Mm -hmm. and I lived on my own before coming to wherever we are living right now and becoming part of this world. And Cole is an entity that is made up of a multitude. Right. Who is also part of a community. So I view him as this very... Them. Them. Sorry. I view them as a very deep subject matter because they identify – they can identify the, the concept of community both internally and externally. Right. So we are always discussing what it means to be part of something larger than ourselves. Awesome. All right. Uh, Michael, we're back to you. All right. Um so I think kind of tying in with what Caleb just said, I'm going to go with a mm-hmm. memory from your past weighs heavily on you. And I've only told um, Hogan about it uh, because I feel like we have these conversations that we, you know, I've, there's a trust there. And, you know, it's just one of the things mm-hmm. that it just sort of came up at some point in time. So the memory is, is back before I became redeemed when I was being used or was used in some way to mm-hmm. hurt other things. And then, you know, basically I, I killed other people sentient life and mm. um i was good at it like that's what i was designed to do and uh there is a bit of you know feeling like i'm not doing what i'm supposed to do i'm constantly sort of trying to find joy and satisfaction in what i'm doing even though mm. i know it's never going to be what i was supposed to do right yeah so i went from you know two small hamster ball to this yeah that's that's this game in a nutshell like you know and it goes back and forth uh amazing so uh bisk you got one more link as a monocellular entity uh i am fascinated by cole's sort of uh multi-entity nature and Mm -hmm. uh i find it intriguing and uh often bisk is is uh sort of Sweet and innocent, but but uh, a little awkward and, and a little inappropriately awkward about asking about being a plurality <laughs> of beings and having a consciousness that arises from from uh, individual efforts of, of uh, mm-hmm. beings and, and, you know, having more than one cell is weird enough. And and so uh, I I would say that, that, that you know, we're, we're all sitting around, uh, you know, Im- imbibing some sort of uh, thing in the evening and, and uh, Bisk will be like, so, uh, do, do you just distribute it around, or uh, how does how does do, do parts of you get a buzz? I don't under, and then it'll just be awkward, and you'll be like, no, no, it's not appropriate. And uh, Bisk will be be uncomfortable, and then uh, everyone kind of gives Bisk a pass because the innocence thing. But it's it's really it's it's we've all known each other for long enough; it's no longer appropriate. But it keeps it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. All right, uh, and then Caleb back to Hogan. What's their uh, what's their last link? All right, I I want to do something about Bisk's past. Okay, 
but I don't know exactly what it is yet. What if I know that at one point there was a multicellular organism and it split? Ooh. Oh, wait, so there, there was something like Bisque and it split into two? And Bisque was Bisque became what we know of as Bisque is part of a whole, part of part or possibly of a multicellular uh, organism that, that's 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 fled and kind of is blocking out. As, as someone with memory manipulation, Bisque has used mm. memory manipulation to manipulate their own memory away from recalling a time of being part of a more integrated being. Yes. Oh, that's that's yeah. That's dark. It's like the end of Memento. Spoilers. <laughs> that, that would explain I how a single cell has gender, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Just an artifact of that. <laughs> so Bisk does not know this, but Hogan does. And I think I found out about it. Basically, I was... Part of my duties are about... Uh, protecting our community and our environment mm -hmm. so i was uh maybe talking to someone who visited from another community or may have been a traveling merchant of sorts mm -hmm. and they recognized bisque and they commented that it was very similar to an entity that they knew from their community interesting and and I did a little bit of digging, and I realized what had happened, but I feel like Bisque is not at a place where he's ready to understand that. Right. Yeah, Bisque is not talking about the divorce, or remembering it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. We're separated, uh. and I don't remember. It's fine. Fine. And she got the kids. <laughs> Six thousand of the other cells. These, yeah. Yeah. These random cells come over every other weekend. She doesn't know why. <laughs> but they have a great time. Jeez. <laughs> oh, They're just here to party, guys. We're just having fun. See you in two weeks. Ooh. All right. Um, on that note, um, so we've created the characters. Next up, we're going to be creating the setting together. The way we do that is with a series of questions. So the first one is, what is a feature or neighborhood that this particular city or area is known for? If someone were to think about the place where you live, what do they think of? So we know we have the the two small hamster balls. Uh, we have a collection of teeth in the area for sure, uh, possibly in a boneyard. We have some reason for uh, a creature who's kind of interested in archaeology to be here, and we have uh, mm -hmm. yeah protective shells that that we wear to go into inhospitable areas. And so the thing that we are known for is the inhospitable area, maybe the extremely deep crevasse that we're on the precipice of where uh, mm -hmm. pressure and temperature both rise to uh, levels that, that creatures from this band cannot withstand. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's there's um, plunder and research. I mean, everything kind of drips down in there. And so there's all this history of sediment down there. There's also different cultures or alien worlds in Ooh. this rift. 
and and we're known as as this community adjacent to this rift. Okay, so you're like the you're the town near the the Valley of Kings or something, right? Where it's like you're you're kind of out in the middle of nowhere, you're but you you thrive on all these things that are brought up from the deep in the 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 trench or the the crevasse. Mm-hmm. Do we think it was like some sort of like that there was a city or a civilization here that has like fallen in or interesting maybe maybe we're not sure yet okay it seems like there was a civilization okay but there is also evidence that it could have been travelers it could have mm. been a ship that was that crashed okay from another planet or universe okay we're not sure or even another place in the echo which is something we haven't really mm-hmm. talked about too much mm-hmm. so just diving quickly into that um so the echo is basically uh the dimension next door it's the way that the characters communicate with each other they're speaking through this sort of like you know psionic uh speech that goes through the echo um the mental emotional place that they share that we'll talk about once we start the adventure is sort of like a piece of the echo that is personal to them um you can think of it like um maybe another plane of existence in D or another dimension it's a little nebulous um just so that we can play with it as we go through and we figure out what's best for the story all right so we now know that there's this sort of deep crevasse with um like hot water um that is really unusual uh this far down um and that there are artifacts and things that come up from it and they use these hamster ball jellyfish things uh to go down into it safely uh so next up uh we know about each of the species that you are um but what's another sapient species who lives in the city can it be a type of well okay so let's say it is a visually it's kind of a cross between a shark and an octopus oh yeah part turtle a turtle octopus no, there's no turtles. Oh, man. No, I mean, it's a callback. You got to admit, like it is a callback, but it's not the callback. That's what we, the, 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 the twist all along is the octopus speaks with like a British accent and is like, you know, oh, would you like some tea? That sort of a situation. <laughs> All right, so we're leaving the tur out of the tur octopus, and we're just going with the shark octopus. Okay, yes. So. The, the head and forebody of a shark, and maybe there's different kinds mm-hmm. of sharks, and then towards the middle and back end, it splits out into the long tentacles. Mm-hmm. Maybe some of them are finned. Maybe some of them have grabby claws on the end. Some have suckers. So mm-hmm. It's like sharks in skirts. Yes. Yes, but the skirts are... A variety of tentacles. It's like it's like if Ursula put on the left shark costume, mm-hmm. started yes. dancing. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, awesome. Uh, so they live in the area. Um, if their front halves are sharks, then I'm going to guess that they are carnivorous. They're predators of some sort. Um, so, uh, like, what 
what's a like important cultural tradition or something that um is like part of part of the culture of the city uh that like sort of embodies them or that uh people would recognize oh yeah that's their thing that they do i'm thinking like some sort of uh, almost like a gladiatorial style combat where they Ooh. like like they basically they don't kill all of the other people in town uh so a way that they channel their nature is that they have these mm -hmm. structured combats with each other maybe even determine who's like the ruler for the years like you know the election Ooh, is, interesting uh you know it's it's not to the death but mm -hmm. basically if you win and you're the leader of their tribe their kingdom for the next cycle okay <sighs> Bloody very politics. cool <laughs> <laughs> i mean literally right uh, yeah <laughs> amazing okay so there is some sort of like gladiatorial arena and is it like a formalized thing now like maybe it started as sort of just like you know dominance or whatever before they had sort of like evolved um sapiens but now that now it's just sort of something that like has become the thing that you do and yeah i think it's, sort of it's definitely about like a, and originally it was just their nature carnivorous they they would go to mm. the death and it's like an alpha male situation like whoever won was the biggest stuff as led but over time it has become formalized and there's you know i'm not it's not like ufc or anything but there are mm. like scheduled matches and then mm -hmm. you know people talk about who they think is going to win maybe there's like betting on it i don't know mm -hmm. i think there are also elements that have developed as this culture became a little bit more civilized mm -hmm. of actually uh, supporting some of the candidates more of a okay uh, like a, almost like a sponsorship oh interesting okay so uh you can you can kind of pledge your support behind this candidate or that candidate mm. and maybe that bleeds over a little bit into the rest of society of uh, maybe these people are wearing his colors or mm -hmm. uh, favoring her favorite drink or beverage mm -hmm. or food or something. And it just kind of spills out into the rest of the community. Okay. And it, it becomes sort of like, which sports team do you cheer for? And then that's also like partly the government as well. To an extent. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, so we've got those. Now let's talk about um, a non-sapient species. Uh, so probably um, if there's a lot of these uh, these sharktopus running around, then they got to eat something. So what do we think is the major food source in this city? Well, the, the sharktopi's uh, natural prey is the bloatfish. Okay. And uh, bloatfish... <clears throat> Are capable of of uh, filling themselves up with a vacuum, uh, in fact, mm -hmm. and uh, to, to one to make themselves hard to bite, which explains why you need tentacles to kind of hold on to them, and also mm -hmm. because it's vacuum, they have like explosive recompression if you pierce them, and so uh, teeth 
uh, have been uh, both an advantage and a disadvantage in in hunting these uh, these bloatfish. Uh, bloatfish mm-hmm. are uh, dumb. They school. They reproduce very quickly. And uh, during they're, they're seasonal. And when when they're in season, they just blot out the uh, the the sky. I want to say kind of the, mm-hmm. the, the they will they will fill yeah. uh, the space and then and then they make traffic really bad because anytime you're trying to get past them on the street, they all just blow up. <laughs> right and right. Uh, yeah. So they're they're kind of an inconvenient. Uh, space sucking nuisance, and then uh, mm-hmm. the the shark to pie uh, clean them out for us, and in, in like a feeding frenzy that uh, mm-hmm. yeah that, that they they support around elections. Okay, interesting. And so it's like there's a like um, not quite like hibernation or whatever, but like there's a period of like they gorge themselves during the the um, the the bloom, mm-hmm. and then. The rest of the time, it's like they they just sort of like make do on trade or whatever it is that um, the rest of people are eating and all that. Okay, cool. And then that that definitely is like that uh, feeding time is definitely something that would be culturally important to the whole city, right? Yeah, and, uh, and it's, it's probably okay, not an cool. annual thing. It may be due to like uh, tides or lunar cycles or something, but but it is a cycle. Okay, cool. So there's a cycle. And a feeding frenzy. Awesome. Okay. Um, so talking a little bit about infrastructure, um, we we know that people go down into the crevasse to do research. Um, we know that – oh, interesting. Interesting thought. So what if the temperature from this uh, crevasse is actually what helps the uh, – bloatfish bloom on a like more frequent basis and so like that's part of it is that like there's that's why there are so many of the shark to pie in this area is that um they can actually support them now because of the the temperature and everything that's going on with that well um, you know I'm, I'm no marine biologist like rich but um perhaps the the warmer water coming up from the mm-hmm. crevasse uh, there's like a krill or so like some sort of food source that is pushed mm. up that these bloatfish they feed on. So gotcha. they're always around here. And then when they their food source is present, they blow it up and start eating. And then so it's like a cycle situation where because of one is the other. I love that. Okay, cool. Okay. Um, so uh, like I said a little bit earlier, uh, the society that we're talking about here has advanced biotech. So what is something that is widely used throughout the city um, that is either bioengineered or plugged in psionically to the inhabitants that gets used all the time? I think if if our quote-unquote ruling class have octopi arms, there might be some sort mm-hmm. of like limb replacement I'm assuming those things get chopped off or ripped Mm -hmm. off from time to time. So especially in the combats, right? Yeah. So there's a way to either replace them mechanically, or maybe it's like a regeneration, like we can regrow limbs. Mm -hmm. 
we can rebuild them. Are, are we going to go full Starbelly Sneetches? Since we've established that uh, you, the, the Sharktopi are born with different sorts of, of uh, octopi limbs, mm-hmm. and now they can replace them, is the types of limbs that you have that's more or less advantageous to combat also sort of establish your status in the community? And oh, so there, there's, there's yeah. some like like moral gray area of having replacements, and, and there's, there's some sort of moral gray area of having obvious replacements versus kind of like stealthy replacements and... Uh, yeah, things about the political rigging. Like, is is it unfair politically? Do we have to have rules about uh, all natural tentacles mm-hmm. to, to to run for office? Right. <laughs> yeah. I also like the the sort of the weird inverse that if you're tough enough not to have need of replacing your tentacles, like I'm so tough, I can get by mm-hmm. with six. You're a wimp. You have mm-hmm. to have eight. And there's definitely an industry around making the replacements. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there, there's different brands of base tentacles that you can be known for. Oh, that kind of yeah. Thing. And like, yeah. So like makers of, oh, okay. Well, the Venom Venom tentacles is like a whole brand and that they do sponsorships for things. Okay. I, I think like we, we want to make sure that we don't go too far into any sort of like biases or prejudices just because like that can get a little ableist. But I think like the, the idea of like there being a whole culture around like having different options available and people opting in or opting mm-hmm. out um, mm-hmm. is really, really reasons. interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like, and also like, you know, not everyone is going to be participating in, you know, okay, I'm going to be, you know, the, the fights political mans or whatever. Um, but like, if you have different jobs, like, you know, maybe there's the, you know, cat construction, um, company limbs or, or there are ones that do different yeah. jobs. And so like, you can, well, now I have the interesting social question of, uh, mm-hmm. right. You, you, you want this job. Uh, can you get this job with your natural limbs or are you forced to remove your natural limbs and replace them with these. Mm-hmm. And, and what does that mean about you? And what does that mean about people without these replacements? Does that mean that you can, mm-hmm. uh, some people can afford the nicer venom arms or the, the uh, mm-hmm. larger rigging grasping arms for construction work and other people cannot. And mm-hmm. do you finance this? Then you go into debt. It's basically like a school loan. Only what we have is limb loans. And uh, we have an oh, industry yeah. around that. So there's a predatory <laughs> There's a predatory, <laughs> predatory limb lenders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, that's horrifying, and I kind of love it. <laughs> I would not want to live in this society, but I think it's really interesting to explore. Um, okay. All right, so we have the limb loan companies. Um, it just makes me think of the Borderlands thing where you've got all the different arms manufacturers, and it's literally... That's exactly what I was thinking. You know, and technically, technically, when we're talking about octopi, um, they are not, in fact, tentacles. Squids have tentacles and arms, but octopi have just arms. So they literally are arms manufacturers. <laughs> Fun fact for the night. This now is, you know. This is, I'm, I could not be happier with where this is going. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, okay, we'll skip that one. So the, the final question, yes, the final question is what is something that the residents of the city take for granted? The krill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, if that ever were to stop, that would break our entire cycle of food and stability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe the, maybe this 
uh, th- these shark people were nomads at one point. Oh, interesting. Oh, they okay. settled down now and, and they, they take yeah. for granted they, the settlement. They stumbled across this rift that had this natural occurring ebb and flow of the krill, mm-hmm. which brought in this the seasonal swing of the bloatfish. Right. So they built this community. Mm-hmm. They just assume the krill are always there. Yeah. And I I think like tying into everything else, I think like it also makes sense that like if there are other civilizations or there's ancient technology or things that are down in the crevasse, it makes a whole bunch of sense that the arms manufacturers are digging down into it and are exploring down there so that they can find the latest, greatest old technologies to bring back up so that they have access to the, you know, to all these different things. Um, so that they can have, you know, yeah, like the the latest and greatest thing that nobody's ever seen before. Um, because delving deep into things that are ancient and mysterious always goes well. But that is actually leading to a potential evolution of the society. Mm-hmm. Because some of these maybe younger kids mm-hmm. who are working for these companies are now starting to build notoriety mm-hmm. from who can go the deepest, right. who can bring back the most rare, the most unique, the most interesting. Mm-hmm. And there's a level of community support behind these individuals, right. which is threatening to offset or unbalance the support behind the winners of the gladiator combat. Mm-hmm. So we may potentially also be seeing a shift in the political structure where it's not just the biggest and the strongest who gain Mm -hmm. the community leadership. It might be some of the more adventurous, intelligent type of folks who are starting to come around. Right. And it's like, they are starting to form like, God, like political machines, I think is the wrong word, but like they're, (laughs) they're starting to form power structures and like make those deals and, and do all the, oh god that's horrifying. But by political machines, um, do you mean uh, literally uh, machines that encase them for these combats <laughs> so that they're more effective at it? Because I think that might be the political machine. Yeah. We had to ban those okay. for a couple of years. They had to be competitive rules because the political machines mm-hmm. got way out of hand. Yeah, yes, so we literally and figuratively have an arms race on our hand. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. See what happens when you put the three of us in a room together. <laughs> bunch, of, bunch of mecha puns. That's what we're doing. It's good. Yep. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize. But there are expenses related to the show. And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or DriveThruRPG, consider using our affiliate links first, and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy. Or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, 
invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook, or join our Discord, where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can, and are always looking to talk and chat more. Or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show. Because honestly, that's enough. Thanks. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time. The music used for our intro and outro is Fly a Kite by Spectacular Sound Productions, used under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License.